Moto One Podcast Network. Enter my world, feel my pain, all alone in my digital domain. Bill Gates from Microsoft, Stephen Hawkins' voice, and I'm fucking Laura Croft. Tobor, did you write this? Tobor? Tobor? You're listening to a show hosted by an idiot and a sarcastic robot. That's me. It features the opinions of that idiot and the opinions of guest motorcyclists from a large demographic with a varying array of skills, talent, and knowledge. Any of the words that you hear on this podcast may therefore be very idiotic, unlawful, and incorrect, or perhaps genius and insightful. Either way, they do not reflect the opinions or well-thought-out and completely fair policies of the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast or any of the podcasts under the Moto One Podcast Network umbrella. Enjoy the show, Fart Tooth. Hey, everybody. This is your host, Junk Meister. And uh, happy... You know what today is. Don't get pinched if you ain't wearing green, because it's St. Martin's Day. Wait, what the hell? It's St. Patrick's Day. Oh, my God. How did I get that wrong? Didn't he, like, throw all the um, elephants out of Ireland or something like that? Anyways, hey, everybody. How you doing? I'm like, I um, to- I got Tobor here in the shack with me tonight, and uh, we got a great show lined up for you this week. I'm going to for- – I have um, – just wanted to say a couple things here. First and foremost is, uh, yeah, welcome to uh, Poopooville, uh, California. It's been uh, more like m- – uh, oh, the the jungles of the rainforest here. Let's call it the rain jungle here. This is the stupidest intro I've ever done. Almost the stupidest intro I've ever done. It's been very rainy here, in, uh, and I'm losing my mind, as you can tell. Um, I, I'm going to complete, completely berserk. I actually got out for a little bit of, of a ride yesterday just to go get uh, food for the fam. Other than that, I've been busy as all get out in the garage working on stuff. We posted uh, something up on Patreon, but we didn't make it Patreon only if you want to go see what we're up to over there. Uh, also, I have a ton, <clears throat> excuse me, I have a ton of episodes in the works. I'm sorry that uh, we're halfway through March. Happy International Women's Month. Happy March Madness Month. And happy late International Women's Day and all that fun stuff. I uh, apologize for just now getting a episode out almost at the end. We're, we're, we're a little past halfway through at this point, unless there's 34 days in March that I'm unaware of. There could be. I don't. It's 2023. Maybe March identifies as the beginning of April now, too. Um, at any rate, we have a few shows in process. However, uh, waiting for the Nokomoto, Noko guys. You didn't send me my audio for our funny show that we did. And I say funny because you guys did most of the talking. However, we got that show coming up. Uh, We're going to have a great guest on today's show. So I'm going to forego some of the normal segments that we have just to keep it uh, at time. But also, I wanted to thank thank everybody for the California riding feedback we've got so far. Lots of people have sent in some content, and we're still... I'm still accepting offers for that. If you have a story, if you have a favorite road to ride here in California or a favorite ride, doesn't have to be a road, could be a route, could be uh, an ideal trip that you haven't even taken, but you're thinking, um, send it to us, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. 
hit us up on Facebook, send it to us at, on our Instagram DM, slide into the DM, send nudes. I don't care. Uh, do whatever you got to do to get the story to us. That'd be funny if you wrote the story out in nudes somehow. Had like does Spencer Spencer Pratt was no, no, not Spencer Pratt. Why am I thinking Spencer McGee? Some dude that did like all those naked uh, body pictures. Like if he spelled out a whole story, like the whole written type page full of uh, naked people as the letters. That that'd be do something like that. Um, but whatever you do, send us your ride stories to uh, Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast at Gmail It's a very short email. I should probably do just like CMRP or something like that. Uh, Creative Mighting Rotorcycle Podcast. Um, so yeah, we send those in still. We're still taking submissions for those. So everybody that submitted, don't worry. Uh, I got them and they're going to go out uh, in a little bit. We're still doing a blog post. I started writing it six months ago. And uh, at this rate, I'll, I'll have it out by 2025 uh, saying, hey, we've got a story coming up. Um, other than that, let's get into some of the news. Tobor, how you been? My good man, you look fabulous today. Uh-oh, Tobor, you are here, but you're, I got your mic turned down. Come a little bit closer, plug in your interface. All right, there you go. Speech, speech. How are you doing, bud? Hello, Junkie. How are you doing today? We have a great show lined up. We do have a great show lined up. That almost sounds scripted, Tobor. Um, by the way, I know you've been kind of apart. You, your voice sounds a little off right now. I've been kind of calibrating uh, stuff, and I hope to have it on the mend this week, but I've been busy with other stuff, but I do hope to have your voice back in sync and I hope to have your head back on your, on, your, on your body. I apologize for that. That is good news. I have been feeling like half the robot I used to be. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, feel that way no longer, good friend. Um, I will have you set back uh, this, this week, hopefully. I have been working on uh, a bunch of stuff in the garage. I've been working on some bearings, working on some bicycles, been working on um, some other other stuff that will come out later, and trying to do some, some side projects as well. So I've been really busy um, with that, all that fun junk, and, and hopefully that'll help have some stories come out for the, uh, the rest of the year. Um, let's get into some events, some current events. Let me pop open my note screen here. Tobor, you just sit there with your head. I probably can't even see them. I think your optic sensors are in the head, so you probably can't see, but you can hear. Um, listen, exciting news. Daytona bike week ended this week. I think it ended officially yesterday. Probably people are going to be wrapping up this, uh, today and getting out of town and heading back home and all that fun stuff that people do from Daytona. Some people probably dead into Daytona and are staying there permanently. Uh, but yeah, other people heading back home. Excuse me. And uh, Junk has a little... I'm just going to say it here. I, I haven't announced it yet, but I'm going to say it now. After after this weekend, I knew, I knew flat track would be starting. I knew we'd be like on round six already of the uh, Supercross, motocross season. Um and I knew that uh, MotoGP is going to be starting pretty soon. Um, and the reason that I think I can say it now, uh, I'm going to, you've heard me talk about the Super Motocross, right? I mentioned it uh, a couple weeks ago. Super Motocross is the Supercross and the Motocross uh, championships. The riders in those respective championships are going to get all their points for the year. And then at the end of the year, they are going to do 
a super motocross. I think it's going to be here at the LA Coliseum. As a matter of fact, I'm positive that it is. And they're going to do the best of the best. It's going to be like the, it's going to be like the uh, International Race of Champions. Um, they're going to get the best of both disciplines, bring them in, and do like a three round series. And I think the I think that some of the Supercross and Motocross races are going to count towards some of those, at least toward a qualifying sort of format. Um, I, I, I read about this and watched their press release like a few months ago when they announced it. So it's totally blurry in my mind. Now I can't remember yesterday morning, but I do know it's coming and I do know that they're going to do like a, a three race triple crown, uh, championship and the final event is going to be here at the LA Coliseum and they're going to take the best of the best. It's almost going to be like back in the day when you used to have to race short track, a TT, um, a mile and a road race, um, to be the grand national championship back when flat tracking and, and road racing was all under one discipline. You were, you were just a racer. You weren't segmented out like you are today. They're doing that same sort of thing with, with motocross and supercross, which are two different disciplines within the same uh, format sort of thing. So that's going to be pretty exciting. Um, junkie said, Hey, that's a great idea. And why don't we return to the old grand national championship style and Junkie's going to make the creative riding supermoto racer cross or something like that. I haven't named it yet, but it's going to be the super championship. Actually, that's a great name. Everything has super in the front of it now. So the super championship and what it's going to be is internally here at the creative writing studios. I'm going to get Tobor, once I get his head back, back on him, I'm going to get him to sit down there and do some calculations. And we're going to figure out some, some math equations on the current uh, championships, uh, all of the concurrent championships. And what we're going to do... Oh, you are. Are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah I am actually, Tobor. I'm going to... I got this idea. It's a pretty cool idea. And hopefully you can help me with the calculations of it. I'm going to take the Supercross, the Motocross, the Flat Track, and the Road Race, including the Daytona 200, which really isn't part of Moto America. And maybe I can even work MotoGP into this, although I don't think it would be... Uh, I don't think it'd be equitable because I, I if I take something that that'd be the one thing outside of the U.S. All this other race series are here in the U.S. I'm going to take all of these riders and all of these races and results and calculate a points. And it's very easy. Most races here have the same points system. You know, 25 for first, 22 for second. You know, it goes down by three points each uh, each place, pretty much. And I'm going to do a super championship and we're going to take the winners because you, you might not always win every single race. You might win a majority of the races in your, um, specific class or your, your specific, uh, uh, type of racing. However, we're going to, we're going to get everybody in this list and we're going to see who is the actual super champion of the United States of all of these race disciplines. And I'm going to keep a track. I'm going to, well, Tober, you're going to help me. And we're going to keep track this year. So that ought to be pretty fun. Um, and having had Daytona just finish this week and Supercross already have having been, like, like I said, a few rounds in, I think we can make a good start on this. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, back to the notes. Um, so Daytona, Daytona ended this week. I hope everybody had a good time. Uh, March 26th is a SoCal cycle swap meet down here at Long Beach Veterans Stadium in SoCal Long Beach. If you came to the uh, NASCAR event here, last couple weekends ago and the actually it was just the last weekend I think and the VW drag day that was here both of them obviously got rained out it was pouring uh and there's no way that they were racing 
uh, at Irwindale. So I think those things got rescheduled and I, I'm super stoked because I love the bug in and I'd love to come see it again. So I'll keep you posted on those, even though they're car events, but, um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of events totally soaked out last weekend. It was just dumper here. So hopefully next weekend it's clear for the March. Uh, it's going to rain again. I know this coming week, we're going to get more rain if you can believe that, but hopefully by the 26th, uh, it's clear enough for the, um, SoCal Psycho Swap Meet. Next weekend after that, Biltwell 100 happening out in Ridgecrest, California. That's going to be uh, an event that you don't want to miss as well. Um, if you go to Biltwell's website uh, or if you're on their e- email uh, newsletter list, you already know that they sent out like the, the best places to spectate from. It's going to be pretty primo. It's going to be, uh, I think, a lot of fun for people to go out there and uh check out all the racing um april 15th classic track day at big willow willow springs international raceway at rosamond Ooh, and i almost forgot something um march 24th through 26th is the stagecoach rally down in julian uh a lot of people from the classic track day will be down there on their dirt bikes and it's more of a um you know it's a little bit more uh rural out there in julian so it'll be probably a lot of adventure and dual sport riding out there um, and I would be stupid if I forgot to mention that one. That looks like it's going to be pretty fun. I think the tickets are like 75 bucks. Um, and then it's like, I forget, you can get a, ca- a, a campsite or something like that for like an extra 40 bucks, something like that. So check that out if you get, if you got a chance and you're going to be down here, uh, in the next couple of weekends. Um, April 15th, classic track day at Big Willow, and it's going to be a licensing day for, and race school day. So if you need to get your race license to race in the next, the GP, which is the next day, check it out. Uh, April 16th is going to be the Willow Springs Grand Prix Classic Motorcycle Festival. Guess where? Rosamond, California at Willow Springs International Raceway. Brady Walker actually just sent me something the other day in the mail, um, and I didn't get to read it. Oh, a race entry is open. If you do want to race, go register uh, bradywalker.com forward slash WSGP. 2023. Obviously, it's Willow Springs Grand Prix. Um, and I can put that in our show notes. But yeah, check it out. There's going to be, um, a, it's $100 to enter a race class. Talk about, uh, uh, and there's going to be a race school the day before. So talk about, you know, accessibility. This is nuts. You know, you can't go to the Moto America and just jump in, right? But you can come to the Willow Springs Grand Prix and jump in. They got a vintage class, which is a pre-73 air-cooled drum brake bike class. Classic 80s, which is a pre-83 air-cooled with any performance enhancements. They got Super Classic, which is all bikes up to 2001, uh, four or two-stroke. And guess what? 2001? Yeah. That's a long time ago. It's over 20 years ago now. So yeah, these these bikes technically are uh, getting into the classics. Um, modern standards, which is modern bikes, but no super bikes or race replicas. Uh, all adventure bikes do classify though for the mo- modern standard. Uh, they just have to be a modern modern bike, just not a sport bike. Um, then there's modern super bike, which are all those super bikes with full fairings, clip-ons, blah, 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 blah. There's sidecars, which uh, SRA Re- West is going to determine um, what the race classes are for that. The Bagger Racing League, which is the BRL, they're going to have an exhibition class out there, which is pretty awesome. Um, and then for $50 a race entry, they're going to have Ironman, Super Singles, Power Twins, Classic Relay, which is five rider teams. <laughs> and this has to be on pre-1983 machines. Spamala. Spam- there's one bike, four or five people per team, one lap per rider. And it's they're going to use a hot 
uh, pit lane trans- rider transfers. Dude, it's going to be sick. Take Spamla out there if anybody wants to uh, wants to do this. And then there's the Vintage Le Mans Pursuit class, which is also uh, 1983 machines only. Um, and it's going to be awesome. Now, here's some news. Uh, Creative Writing is going to be sponsoring the Super Classic class this year. And uh, yeah, our name will be on that. So I'm pretty stoked to be sponsoring that. It's going to be lots and lots of fun. Remember that weekend is April 15th and 16th, if you're interested. Um, April 23rd, SoCal Cycle Swap Meet happening again at Long Beach Veterans Stadium at Long Beach. Um, May 6th, the Californians coming back to Santa Anita Park in uh, Arcadia, California. It's going to be Kentucky Derby Day. So... If you can't make it to Kentucky, if you can't make it to Kentucky, but you want to sound like a four-stroke thumper like me, get your ass down to San Anita Park. Uh, it's going to be classic bikes, classic cars. It's going to be a lot of fun stuff. Brady does it every year. We're going to see how it plays out because this is the first time since uh, COVID shutdowns that it's going to be back. So we'll see what's there, um, and we'll just uh, do our best. How's that? But check it out, May 6th at the Californian. And if you want to exhibit your bike or bike club there, reach out to Brady. Um, May 6th and 7th is rounds one and two of the Beggar Racing League in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So you're going to get a little preview out at Willow Springs before the actual Bagger Racing League season starts. And then May 19th and 20th, the Hanford Cycle Show and Swap is happening at Kings County Fairgrounds in Central California. That should be pretty sick. I know that it's rained out in Central California. I know that it's rained out right now in Northern California. And we're getting rained out here and snowed out in Southern California. So by May 19th, I just kind of hope and pray that everything is uh, kind of dried out by then. So should be good to go. Hanford Cycle Show and Swap is m- one of the premier things that happens in Central Cal just because there's not much happening uh, in that part of the uh, the state. It's really a little bit more rural up there. Uh, what else we got going on? Let me see. Oh, um, the Route 66 Spring Fever Rally is happening in Depew. Uh, this weekend, and there's going to be on Honda's website. I saw this. They're going to have a Goldwing. I should uh, I should look this up real quick. I'll, I'll mention it on the next show. But I know they're going to have um, like a an official Honda sponsored meet and greet for uh, Goldwing and and just to, to demo bikes. But it's going to be cool. Honda's actually kind of stepping up and taking over for what some of the you know, Goldwing um, clubs and things like that used to do. So that'll be pretty cool. I think that's coming up in a couple weeks. Um, If you're around uh, next weekend, excuse me, if you're around next weekend and you happen to be in uh, College Station, Texas, check out the BKMC Poker Run. It's a benefit and charity. All I know is that it's in College Station. Show up on the 18th, drive around College Station, See if you hear uh, hear any Harleys. I'm sure it's going to be 99% Harley. So just check out, see if you can hear some Harley Davidson around there. Um, one of the featured events, this is off Cyclefish. Uh, one of the featured events, uh, March 25th and 26th in St. Paul, Minnesota, is the Donnie Smith Bike Show and Swap Meet. Uh, this says that it was uh, going to be... At the Dennis Kirk, uh, or I'm sorry, it's, it's hosted by Dennis Kirk and the Sturgis Buffalo Chip. Um, it's the tw- uh, 34th annual Dennis Kirk and Donnie Smith bike show. So I didn't even know this ever happened, but yeah, 34 times it's happened. Uh, it's going to be at uh, 150, 175 West Kellogg Boulevard, 
Don't go to 150, 175. That was that was me making a, an auditory mistake. 175 West Kellogg Boulevard. Um, yeah, if anybody goes to that, let me know how it is. It looks pretty cool. Thunder in the Hill Country is happening in Bandera, Texas, also March 23rd through 26th. Again, Thunder, it's going to be Indians and Harleys, right? So Biker Rallies of Texas is the host. Uh, they're going to be... It says Mansfield Park in Bandera, Texas, for the best old school Texas rally in the beautiful Texas Hill Country and the cowboy capital of the world. There are other places that uh, have cowboys in the world, and I want to see the, these guys fight. All of the residents of these other towns um, fight with the residents of Bandera. I'd be, I'd be down to see that. Uh, I already mentioned the stage close. Coach Classic Rally. Uh, the 12th annual Arizona Rockabilly Bash is happening uh, March 24th and 25th in Arizona at uh, 8708 West Harbor Boulevard in Peoria. I should have just said the address and not tell you what city. That would have been kind of funny. Um, I don't know how many harbor bul- boulevards there are in Arizona. I didn't even know there's a harbor in Arizona. I know there's a river, so maybe I guess. Um, and other than that, that's all I got right now on our list. If you have a event that you want to shout out on the show, hey, send it to us. We don't just uh, hold our hands up in the air and these things get written on our palms. It doesn't work like that. People have to tell us about it or send us to uh, their link on Cyclefish. So with that, let's take a quick break and get into this week's show. We're going to pass over all the uh, the not news headlines and all that fun jazz, but we'll have, we'll have some cool stuff coming up for you. We'll be right back with more creative writing. Reminding you to come on down and get everything you need for your bike. We've got tires. They're round. They're made of rubber. And we supply everything you need, including valve stems. The only thing you need to supply is the air. That's right. Come down to Flats Tires. We're on the corner of State Street and First, down in Epperton. For over 131 years and several months, Clodman's has been supplying quality pickles to motorcyclists the world over. Legendary icons such as Sylvester Roper, Oscar Hedstrom, William Harley, Betsy Stringfield, Frank Willoughby Cotton, Evil Knievel, Nikki Hayden, and Sachiro Honda have all quenched their desires for a thick, juicy pickle sliding across their greasy, willing lips with none other than a fine specimen from Clopman's. Join the Hall of Fame, win your first race, impress the judges, put a Clopman's in your mouth, and a championship trophy on your shelf. Clopman's, not for dreamers, for doers. Clopman's, the only pickle for motorcyclists. Posting a story. I'm just changing the song. I'm just... No. When it comes to distracted driving, just don't. Sending a text takes your eyes off the road for just five seconds, but in that time, your car can travel the length of an entire football field. Any distracted driving just isn't worth it. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. All right, everybody, thanks for sticking around and hanging in there for the second part of the show. Uh, on this week's show, we have a special guest with us, and he's a guy. Uh, of course, he's a guy. I wouldn't say she's a guy. That'd be kind of weird. Um, but they've, they've got a, yeah, well, they're, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. I'm going to give too much away if I start blabbing about 
about you know where you're coming from what you're doing i feel like I'm, I'm just messing this whole thing up i'm just gonna go ahead as usual as i do just screwing this screwing this all up so i'm just gonna go ahead and let our guests introduce themselves and uh tell us who you are where you're coming from <laughs> sounds great <laughs> uh, my name is uh, richard worsham and i'm with uh janice motorcycles um we're a, a small and when i say small i mean really small uh <laughs> u.s Manufact motorcycle manufacturer um, based in northern Indiana. Uh, so Janus Motorcycles is uh, based around the idea of building handmade, lightweight motorcycles. Um, and our whole thing, which maybe we'll talk about a little bit here, is is um, building bikes that uh, focus on the experience of riding. Um, kind of like stripped down to its bare essentials. Uh, I got a hold of Junkie, what, uh, back in January or February? Yeah, it was, and, it was something like that. Yeah, either the beginning or middle of February. Uh, yeah, and I got a hold of you, I think, if I remember. Um, yeah. I was just looking up uh, interesting motorcycle podcasts. Wow. <laughs> and creative riding came up. Uh, and we were making a trip how, how did it really go? We were, I was just looking at podcasts cause we've just started a small podcast. Um, Janice that is called, yeah. um, uh, why we ride right. and kind of deals with talking with folks in the, um, well, not only the motorcycle industry and motorcycle riding community, but in the design world, architecture world, which I have a background in, um, as well as just kind of just the world of interesting things and vehicles. And I don't know, it's so, st we're still we're still figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really good too. I, I you know I was gonna plug it at the end, but let's you know do it right here in the beginning. It, it's a fabulous um, podcast. I've actually talked to a few people on that you've had on your show, or or I had some adjacency, and it's really mm -hmm. cool to hear some of the some of the guests that you've had on and get some of the the insight. And I actually it, it made me think of a question for you, but. Yeah, and and for all fairness, for anybody listening to this, uh, you must have you must have searched by interesting podcasts and then done reverse <laughs> order, and you accidentally got the lowest one first, and just said, "Hey, look." But yeah, we this this I, I figured this is we're doing a little bit of a crossover episode here, and I know you're you know you can use this audio as, as well as I can, but I'm hoping that this is sort of a way. Also, you've never interviewed yourself, and and I, I can tell you that none of your guests on your show are going to turn it around. And ask you, it's the hardest <laughs> thing for a host to do, right? Is to say, hey, ask me some questions. So I'm hoping that through some of this interview, your listeners also get some of your perspective and get a good interview of you, you know, the, the, you know, one of the co-founders of Janus, you know, and, and get your inside, not just uh, the people that you also enjoy talking to. So hopefully that's, that's how this works out. Sounds good. I hope they don't get too uh, too bored with hearing hearing all about me. But uh, yeah, <laughs> no, no, they're they're never going to get the chance. So this is the perfect opportunity for you to toot your own horn a little bit. One of the first questions I have, you already mentioned it a little bit. One of the first questions I had is like, what is your occupation? What are some of your credentials? <laughs> credentials. Good lord. <laughs> um, so uh, I guess to answer that, I'll just kind of go back to our background with Janice and how I got into it. My background is ex not, well, it's probably the, like you say, uh, the, the looking at it in reverse order. Uh, it's the opposite of what you would choose to do if you were going to try and 
get into the power sports uh, <laughs> manufacturing industry. I have a undergrad degree in um, literature and liberal arts from a tiny little school of like a hundred students up in New England. Um, and then I went straight from there and got a graduate degree in architecture, specializing in classical architecture, which most people kind of, kind of, when they hear that, they think like buildings with columns on them, um, which is part of it, but it's like the designing buildings like we have for like 99.999% of history, except since like 1930. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was like art, art deco and like modern, right? So. <laughs> right, except that part. Uh, so that's kind of my interest, and I love the idea. Uh, I've kind of, I've my interests have always kind of been a, focused around the ideas of like tradition, uh, classical, the classical concept of like imitation, which is not copying, um, right, and stuff like that. So anyway. Right the year I graduated from uh, from Notre Dame with a degree in architecture, I founded a motorcycle company with a buddy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And it, I mean, that just knowing that kind of plays into the whole Janus, um, you know, the whole the whole feel and focus of, of Janus. Um, so basically, what you're saying also is that unlike 99% of the people in the power sports industry, you're, you're super smart. Like, Man, I don't <laughs> you know about some, that. You got some degrees and, and uh, you're, you're, I mean, I think Brad Pitt is the only other guy that likes motorcycles and architecture possibly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, I don't know if smart and starting a motorcycle company the year you graduate with an architecture <laughs> degree is really those two go together. But anyway, yeah, I had a real interest in, um, while I did not grow up riding bikes, um, I, uh, was, I've always been interested in vehicles um, and kind of like right. as a kid designed cars. I had a little brand name, you know. I was like my idea was more, it was like a dream was to start a vehicle brand um, nice. and, and having a logo and stuff like that was just kind of a cool idea. So it was really kind of fantastical to actually have that happen. But in terms of credentials, to actually answer your question, if there are any carryovers, which I there are between architecture and automotive design, those, that's where they lie. (laughs) Everything else has been learned on the job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's fantastic. I mean, that's, it's awesome that you can start a company without having to do, you know, put in decades of research and an adjacent. So, I mean, this is awesome to just jump it, to know it's, to know it can actually succeed uh, for anybody out there. That's, that's uh, crazy enough to want to start one right after (laughs) grad school, if you're listening. (laughs) So, um, before we get further into your background, I did want to start off with introductions now that, now that we, you know, ha- have been introduced to you and know a little bit about you, you know, you can never remake a first impression. Right. And, and I'm, and I'm sure, I'm not sure what you were expecting when you came out here and, you know, I didn't know, I, I knew of Janus motorcycles, but I thought, wow, this is cool that there, this is like, you can't meet Sochiro Honda. You can't meet, you know, um, any, anybody from these storied brands that are around, um, that have been around for a long time and their, and their founders are long gone, but it's such a, you know, what a great, uh, opportunity to meet, you know, the founder and make an impression on the, the person who started this bespoke company, small company, <laughs> as you say. And well, if so, we ever make it big, it'll be a, a uh, real, it'll <laughs> listen, listen, it's it, to me, to me, uh, just, just succeeding, uh, you know, it, for past a couple of years when a lot of industries can't in, in this current mm-hmm. environment is, is awesome. So when I walked in, we, we agreed to meet at the Peterson 
uh, down in LA, which is a fabulous place for anybody automotive or, you know, gearhead to me. It's, it's just a great cafe, a great environment. Museum, I, but, but Peterson Automotive Museum, just for our listeners too, right. just so you know. Right. It's a museum they, and they have a little cafe on the side there that uh, they let people like me sneak into. Um, when I walked in, you locked on and I knew you, that you were aware you had the right guy because I'm a little bit greenish, my skin color. I'm four, <laughs> four foot eight on a good day. I had I had kept kind of shuffling my feet, hoping you wouldn't notice that I had platform riding boots on. So <laughs> I, I may have looked five feet tall, but I'm, I'm tiny. You and your daughter, on the other hand, I'm going to guess that you're, um, I'm going to take a shot in the dark here. You're seven foot three, probably, and she's <laughs> six foot nine, respectively. And six, 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 six. six. Okay. <laughs> wow. That's her or you? Cause you're, that's you're me. Taller. That's me. Oh. Not, not Mara. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so she's, she's close probably. You both, um, later on in the day, we ride in the 250 and you both fit on that amazingly well. So kudos to you for the de- designing the bike, but yeah, you, you're a giant, you know, you guys are, I was like, wow, this is, this is amazing. And, and, uh, it's like, I was your little kid, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> Then we hit the streets. You're with this little goblin leading the way. And a hundred yards into our trip, I almost smashed your bike into the back of a minivan. And I was like, (laughs) this this is awesome. This is an awesome first impression, right? And um, to be, I I won't get into the whys, but I I didn't, I didn't know if you were were right next to me and I had the, I hadn't adjusted the mirrors a hundred percent. So I was like, oh crap, I'm going to get over and smash into him. Right. So instead I just, you know, stayed three feet off the bumper of this van who kept slamming on their brakes. Then... We head up into Laurel Canyon, and apparently so does a quarter of the L.A. traffic, right? I mean, I forgot how crowded that road gets. So we meander up this uncomfortable hill in this, like, almost stop traffic uh, with both of you on this little 250, right? And then we get up to Mulholland, which was closed because of the um, recent landslides. And I actually, some of, the, uh, some of the roads up there, you could still see dirt on the road that we were riding on where they had just cleared. So I'm thinking, what a great first impression. What a, <laughs> this, is, this is awesome. And then to top it off, I get us lost coming back down the hill, right? Because I didn't have GPS. So regardless, I mean, all of, all of the crazy stuff that happened, it was one of the best times I've had in a long while because A, I hate the West Side and I hardly ever go riding over there. But it was so much fun. And I think it was because we were on Janus. You know what I'm saying? We got some looks. I'm glad to hear that. Lots of people were checking us out. And it was just cool to ride a motorcycle that you never have ridden and that you didn't expect to ride. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, the first impression was awesome. For you, I just kept thinking, oh, man, I hope he even comes back to California. I've probably scared <laughs> <laughs> but, But yeah, I mean, it was so much fun. And I just can't wait to dive into... The, this little motorcycle that you created that, you know, just despite all the crazy stuff and, and being in probably the worst part of LA to ride, just having a blast uh, on these things. Um, first off, I have to know what is your motorcycle background, your your first motorcycle? Because you said you didn't get into it until later, but you had this fantasy. So what was your first motorcycle? So my first bike that I was exposed to, my, my dad actually bought my mother a uh like early eighties, two stroke Vespa, but it was a 50 CC, a uh, little like, um, I forget what the XP 50 or one of the little, little tiny, uh, small frame, uh, Vespas. And we rode that thing all over. I'm from originally from Virginia, all over Richmond, Virginia, um, just terrorized the city on a little, you know, <laughs> 35 miles per hour. Um, yeah. and that was the first introduction. And then, I I had I think I'd witnessed a motorcycle accident when I was little, and so I was just was never really interested. I thought it was too dangerous, and it just what like the 
the image of motorcycling that is often portrayed in, I don't know, film or the media is, is, uh, what didn't really appeal to me. And so the, the Vespa kind of got around that. And then, uh, I bought a vintage moped, um, like the nice. old pedal type. Um, it was actually a Italian a Gorelli, um, and immediately kind of made connections with friends in that community, um, which especially 10, 15 years ago was just this, I think it still is, but it, I haven't really been a part of it in a long time. The moped army was this huge thing. There were clubs all over the um, nice. country. And that's actually how I met the guy I founded Janice with um, when I moved out here at Indiana to Notre Dame, to go to Notre Dame. I met him because he had a repair shop. And that's how we kind of started thinking about motorcycles and two, well, two-wheeled things, I guess, uh, and started developing the network of craftsmen that would that would allow us to start Janus. But yeah, that was kind of my background was more, I was, as a kid, I was just fascinated by cars. My dad would take gotcha. us to vintage car races oh, yeah. and I'd get to go in the pits, you know, and see these things and take pictures of them. And, and just, there's something about machines, especially, um, very, the more visceral the machine, the better. Like I remember I saw a Ferrari F40 and I just thought this is really cool. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I am so glad to hear that. I take my kids to car stuff and motorcycle stuff, and they think I'm torturing them. So I am so glad to hear that. That's that's an awesome. That's <laughs> now awesome. my daughters mostly get. Well, you met Mara. We when we, you know I try and take the family on when we go to, to a motorcycle event or something. I'll try and bring either the whole family or one of them, and we go to Mid Ohio, which is kind of like the crazy Midwest event. It's you know it's just wild, and yeah, they well, usually yeah. end up having a good time. And they're old enough now that I think I can. I'm working on repairing an old moped for them to ride around on. So, nice. um, but yeah, those kind of experiences, I think they're really valuable. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, and you know what, your, your passion and your knowledge of other brands, I mean, I couldn't, you know, you're for somebody that didn't grow up, uh, you know, riding you, I, you fooled me. You, you've got this intense knowledge and maybe it's because you're, uh, uh, you know, a design and an and engineer minded person that you have to know the specs and the history and you're into all this classical stuff, but you, you have this huge passion um, and knowledge of other brands. Is that has that come about since um, you know starting Janus, or was that yeah. before? Uh, no, I think that was pre-existent. I mean, my my parents are both. Uh, my father's an architect. My mother's an architect, or has a degree in architectural history. Um, and I think the histor- history side of it, and my interest in classical architecture. I mean, I'm just all. I've always been that. You know, like I said, like interested in tradition and reading the, the classics, like I'm interested in history and what the past, rather than treating it, I don't, I do not consider the past to be something that's behind us and that we, that we, uh, w- need to separate ourselves from, uh, and recreate ourselves as something completely new. This kind of, that's kind of like what modernist architecture does is it, it says everything that's pre, you know, in the past is worthless and we need to start from scratch and everything. And then what that automatically means is that any, the only thing that's valuable in design is the expression of the designer as this kind of like genius. And mm-hmm. what, like, that's kind of what I'm not interested in is I'm, I'm, I, I don't, I, I don't want to pursue like personalizing things or making it about my, or anyone's character. It's more about like, like with Janice, what we do is we just, like some people will make fun of us because they kind of call our bikes like a pastiche of old things kind of combined together in the, and turned into a new product, but it's all old ideas. And, and I, and I always say, yep, 
I mean, it, it kind of is. It's like we, yeah. we take all, we, we're not in reinventing the wheel. We have no patents. We're taking the best of motorcycling, combining it into what we think the, 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 a classic motorcycle should be. And it, my definition of classic is an example of the best. <laughs> That's all it is. Um, right. and, then, okay. and then making it, making sure that, it, I mean, we have to meet modern EPA standards. We have to have modern, you know, age, you know, highway safety, you know, we have to oh have my good gosh. brakes. We got to have all that stuff. So of course yeah. it's going to be modern, but we're interested in making something that, uh, that's more focused on the experience of riding and like what we've learned about that over the last hundred, well, 90 years or so. And when it comes to motorcycles and trying to make that as imminent as possible for the rider. And what that means is that it's, it's going to be, it's going to look like it's going to look kind of like uh, delusional to some people that are just focused on like, you know, horsepower specs or, you know, uh, tech, you know, advanced technology. They're just like, why would you pay that much for a 250? You know, and, and and I understand, I get it because that the whole industry, the the media, the advertising the marketing is all going in a different direction. And so we're kind of like, we're kind of different. We're trying to create a kind of a new category of ride of of motorcycle. Um, so boy, I'm rambling now, but, uh, no, no, no. (laughs) uh, Everything that you said kind of hits with me because that's one of the, um, you know, my, my old co-host from Indiana told me, Hey, that, you know, didn't, didn't, that can't be from Indiana. I said, yeah, it is. This is a couple years ago. And when I told him I went to get to ride one, uh, you know, the other day, uh, he's like, Oh, that's a lot of. You could buy a lot of bike for that much money, and I said, "But you can't buy this bike." I mean, you, sure, you could say that about anything. There's some. There's some mountain bikes that cost more, you know, than a Janus. But right. uh, the thing is, is that it's not a Janus, and, and and the whole thing. I mean, I try not to. I try not to know anything about anybody. Um, you know, going into these uh, interview style things because I love discovering it along with the the listeners. But you have so much out there, and you have so much content on your website. Uh, and you were on, you know, Jay Leno's Garage, for example. And you know, he he even talked about the visceral feel of it. Yeah, this is definitely um, a two fifty, and it, but it's de- but definitely there's the quality of it. Like you were saying, that you you expanded on the quality of something that was old and and made something that doesn't, you know, you, you have to go back a hundred years to find anything that even resembles a Janus, right? Mm-hmm. Only mm-hmm. you can ride it through LA like we did <laughs> a month ago. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and you don't have to worry about breaking down. You don't have to worry about machining your own, you know, special parts because right. these bikes that existed a hundred years ago, I could tell you that they, you know, the the parts don't exist for them anymore and, and they're often... Mm, probably, you probably worry about breaking down more than riding, you know, <laughs> or, or, right, or right. And that's part of that, that's yeah. part of the experience for some people, um, and and that is something that we kind of like tell people, like <laughs> you know, the, the the experience. Not that your bike's going to break down, but the experience of riding, the ones that you remember, yeah. like the, the experiences that you remember are not the ones where everything went perfectly and it was just you know it just was a effortless experience. That's a yeah. really good way of saying it. If effortless experiences, you don't remember what you remember is when you're like caught in a rainstorm, uh, yeah. you get a flat tire, yeah. uh, you, you know, th- these things are like, if you're on a motorcycle adventure, that's obviously you want a bike that doesn't break down and all that kind of stuff. But you, you want a bike that, well, how about this? People don't buy motorcycles as a practical means of transportation to yeah. get from one place to another. 
Now, right. there are people who do who use them for that, but they have the option to use a car. They don't right. have to. And so here, at least in the States, we choose to ride motorcycles for the experience right. of riding. And that's exactly. what, like, when you say, like, you can buy a lot of motorcycle for that much money, I say, yeah. And what is it, what do you want when you buy a motorcycle? Yeah. <laughs> do you want it, effortless experience <laughs> or do <yeah>. you want... <laughs> Right, and we'll, I, I have a question queued up for later. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it right now. But yeah. I mean, there's some amazing things that you can do on anything. There's even, you know, I was just kidding my my friend, the same same guy, and, and another and another um, riding buddy of ours that, you know, they want to they want me to get these a uh, big ADV bike, and I said I'm not going to do it. Like I don't. I, to me, I'd rather try to cross the Kalahari on a C90 rather than. <laughs> know I can do it on an Africa twin, you know, something right. like that. So. Well, and it, and, it, and it needs to be said that there are many different niches in the motorcycling community. And some people like a sport, a, a high, high strong Italian sport bike. Some people like a big high tech ADV bike. Some people want a loud cruiser. And though everyone should have the, like one of our first people we had on the podcast, everyone should have the privilege of riding all those bikes if they want to. And there's a, there's a beauty of a lot in a lot of those experiences. Um, certainly not denigrating the experience of a big multi cylinder, uh, uh, adventure bike or a Harley Davidson on the highway. They're, they're really good at certain things. Um, but if you're trying to pare down to the essence of motorcycling, some of those things can be extraneous and they can distract you from what that is. Right. And and to be honest, um, you know, up until I want to say twenty years ago ish, uh, maybe even maybe even a little longer than that, but not much. Um, Two fifty was a bike that was a, a, a considered a standard. You know, we the big bikes were five hundreds and seven fifties and things like that. Nine hundred. Oh, gigantic, absolutely. You know, what absolutely. I'm um, maybe a my, bit longer than twenty years ago, but yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, six fifty yeah, yeah. was a was a. Um, Big yeah. bike, <laughs> right? Way to make me feel old, by the way. But my my dad actually commuted um, to work to the Navy. Um, I was I got had been about a twenty or thirty. Well, probably a twenty mile commute um, from when he moved out here to uh, when he was in the Navy, and he commuted on a. I think he said his very first bike was a Yamaha, like a DT one mm-hmm. or something like that. It was just a two fifty enduro, you know, and that was. Back then, when the speed limit was fifty-five, I mean, th- th- those things were that was all you needed was a two fifty. Mm-hmm. They were affordable, and that was today's six fifty. You know, it's a mid- middleweight bike was because you had a bunch of smaller stuff, and two fifty was a c- pretty common size. Two fifty and three fifty was not, yeah, you know, out of the ordinary for a daily rider, a uh, freeway commute, and everything because the speed limits and everything weren't weren't what they are today, and we didn't have you know Dodge Hellcats blowing right. by us at ninety-five miles an hour, it, yeah. you know. That brings up like, you know, oftentimes like anything less than 650 or maybe more nowadays, a thousand uh, is called like, you know, like a beginner bike or worse, a chick bike or something, which (laughs) gets you into a whole land of of, uh, ridiculousness. But look back at the history of motorcycling, all the greatest race bikes, the the Mm -hmm. icons of the, of the racing, the Norton Manx, the, uh, you know, the Moto Guzzi, uh, V8, all these bikes, they, you know, the, the Ducatis, like if you look at all the Velocets, uh, they were all 
sub 500. I mean, yeah. with ex- with some exceptions. Obviously, American bikes have always been pretty big uh, displacement, but not high horsepower back in the day. Right. Um, and it's kind of like, well, those weren't beginner bikes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and a short, small fact, the, the winningest MotoGP rider ever, um, who a lot of people will say Giacomo Agostini, but it's actually, I think, Angel Nieto was the oh, winningest. Yeah. Most, 50 cc. 50 cc was most of his, <laughs> most of his, uh, and you know, back, you know, Joey Dunlop used to race 50 cc. Oh, he did 52, yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, you know, back, that's when the TTs and everything had these crazy classes. You'd have mm-hmm. 50 up to 750, and he yeah. would, he won most of his stuff on the 250s, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, out of all the things that you could have done, uh, I mean, all of this having been said, what the hell made you decide to start a motorcycle brand from scratch, especially right after, yeah. <laughs> right, right after grad school? I don't know. It was probably just insanity. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or naive, really naive. Um, but we had, we had, I had been working, uh, with, uh, the guy that I founded the company with, he had a vintage moped shop, as, as I said, and we were doing like kind of like high end custom mopeds. And we sold, he was selling like $8,000 pedal type mopeds wow. to pretty high profile, you know, clients in Chicago or New York. Um, and just through that, we were thinking like, we want to build, we just got tired of updating and reimagining. Let's say, we had this dream of doing like a 50 CC uh, race bike version of a moped. And we kept trying to like, I had one that I made, like it was called the Pukavus and it was like a play on the um, Norton triumph Triton, where you put a triumph engine in a Norton frame back in the cafe racer era. And so I had a Puk engine, which is a very common, highly upgradable moped engine in a Batavus frame, which is a really pretty bike, but doesn't go very fast. So it was like the best of both worlds. But we got tired of kind of trying to come up with the bike that we wanted out of other people's old bits and pieces. <laughs> and so we're like, well, let's just make one. And we, and actually we just, um, we just, that was what got it started was we built a, you, you mentioned Aniel Nieto and, uh, it was really my fascination with those early 50 CC um, Kreidler, um, who's the other guy who was oh, really yeah. big in, um, in, uh, 50 CC racing Nieto. And then there was, there was a, you know, there are many people were, were into it. Suzuki did a, was really into that oh, as well. Yeah. Um, but those bikes, the minimalism and how par- like there's a famous, I think it's an, a Derby that uh, Nieto would have ridden. And it, it's like, it has the extra spark plugs screwed onto the frame. So he would like stop in the middle of the race and like swap out his plugs. And no they got kidding. Yeah. Oh, yes. I mean, just like absolutely pared down to the bare minimum. If you highly recommend you look up one of these bikes from the sixties or seventies, yeah. they're just super narrow, like eight inches wide. And they would have had, <laughs> they had crazy tall gearing and they revved out to like some of them up to like 20,000 RPM. Right. Right. Um, yeah. But anyway, we built kind of like a, uh, what is the word? A, um, Kind of a, a, a portmanteau, tri- tri- uh, a tribute to oh, okay. to one of those, uh, which was built around a Pook engine, and that was really the only piece that we used that we didn't make. We made the frame. Right. We took forks off of a different bike. We used wheels from like a French bike. We made our own fuel tank and, and seat assembly and our own hand. We even made the handlebars for it. Um, so we made the swing arm and then kind of created what it's called the Paragon, and it was like our version of a 50 cc. GP bike and that nice. through doing that 
that's when we're like, oh, we can make frames and tanks. And what if we made more of these? Oh, man, that is so <laughs> And actually, awesome. it's funny you brought up NATO because the first engine we used on, in the first Janus, which was a 50cc two-stroke, was a Derby Senda, which is like the modern six-speed water-cooled two-stroke 50cc version of what they were racing back in the day. And that thing would do 55 stock on 50ccs. And so um, I love two strokes, but as soon as we decided we need to get to EPA to sell more units, <laughs> that was that was that was, that that dream was broken <laughs> right out the window. Right. So okay, so now we're moving into the inception of Janus. So Janus, did the God Janus inspire the yes. vision of the company, or did the vision kind of match the character, like what you were already doing? Did it match the characteristic of Janus? And it was kind of like a marketing discovery that you made while you're trying to find like a representation for this vision. Which which came oh, that's first, a great, the, the Janus or the egg? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I've never had that one. Um, it was absolutely the, the the latter. We we were struggling to find a name. The Paragon was that first bike. We actually named the company. Our legal entity is still Paragon Motorcycles. Oh, cool. um, but there's lots of Paragons. It's like Acme kind of. Um, it, there's lots of them. So we we you sell rocket skates ever. Let me know. <laughs> So anyway, we we were like, what are we gonna find? What how are we gonna find a name that sounds good? And it's it's surprising if you go back through the history of motorcycles, like most of the good names have been taken, and they're taken by now defunct companies. There have been so many motorcycle brands that were really cool, and then you know they built two hundred bikes and went out of business. Right. Um, uh, the fact that we've made over twelve hundred bikes at this point means that we're like. I don't know if yeah. we're like, I don't know the figures, but we're probably in like the top 10% of motorcycle manufacturers. That's what, that's what I'm, I'm going back to the beginning. That's what I'm telling you. You're, you're a big deal to me because you've succeeded. You know, a lot of people do podcasts and only last three or four episodes. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's the motorcycle equivalent of that. You've you stuck around. You probably have more out there on the road than Modus. And, and uh, Oh yeah, sure. Modus, I don't think made, a, they made maybe a hundred. Yeah, I mean. So, yeah, so anyway, Janus, the Roman god, uh, goes back to my love of architecture. I spent a lot of time in Rome when I was in school. And there's a, Janus is a Roman god um, who had a temple, an arch in Rome and a temple. And he is this really unique figure that has two heads. And one is looking to the future and one is looking to the past. And he he represents duality, um, war and peace, like in the in times of, I always get it wrong. In times of peace, the door was closed of the temple. And in times of war, it was opened. And then he also represents like doorways. Um, the month January is named after Janus. It's the beginning and end of the year. Um, and so in, the beginning, so, of, right. Like, yeah, looking yeah. forward and back, forward and so to the it, year, backward to the, I get it. Yeah. To cool. get, answer your question, that was definitely, it was a, a name that kind of fit what we were trying to do. Right. Um, to look to the past and the future at this kind of simultaneously and try and embody that in a, Right. In a vehicle. So, yeah. um, what sizes did you start with? Did Did Janus ever have a fifty cc? Yeah, we we that we the whole company was started with a fifty cc two stroke motor, which we got from Derby, which is a famous Spanish um, uh, motorcycle company that. Um, I think it's like if it if it does still exist, it's owned by Piaggio. Um, yeah, it is actually. Yeah, yeah, and they make this little like a. It's actually it's really cool. I wish I I want I'm a, I will get one someday. It's a little sport bike, the 50 cc, um, six speed, and I mean if you have, there's so many upgrades you can do to them that you can do like 80 miles an hour on these things. Um, yeah. they sound so good. I but anyway. See- I want to say Derby still makes a um, like a three wheel kind of like a tuk tuk sort of thing too. Uh, they probably it, do. Yeah, and they're pretty quick from what I've seen. So yeah, they're yeah. they're fun. It's just like any two stroke. You can just there's this, the, the 
there's inf- an infinite number of things you can do to them. But yeah. uh, it, we started the company with that. And we because we were making like super low production volume, it didn't really matter if we didn't have EPA. Yeah. We, we basically, and it was basically, we basically had two beginnings with Janus. One, when we started originally in 2011, and we built, over the course of about four years or so, we built 43 50cc Halcyons which is wow. our top model. And, and that's kind of a, a weird story because, you know, the Paragon, the first bike we built, which is a this like GP uh, you know, tribute bike, replica tribute? kind yeah, of. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It, it was a cafe. It was like a, you know, GP style bike. And, and that was right at the kind of height or maybe tail end, but still like the reign of the cafe racer was in full oh, yeah. effect. Yeah. And so our first bike, we just thought, you know, it was, uh, without even thinking, it was like, oh, it's going to be a cafe style bike. I love these. I love GP bikes. The Paragon was one. And then somehow during that process, I got completely sidetracked by, like, as I started learning more about motorcycles and reading books about them and learning about the history, I started getting fascinated with like fin- older like models like Bruff Superior, which is an English brand, uh, Vincent, uh, I mean, any of the old brands. And, and right in that 1920s time period, they were at this point where they were still figuring stuff out and they were like the form and the function. The best way I have to can describe it is like the form and function somehow were at like this parody. They were kind of balanced. And great, basically, in my opinion, this is probably a contentious point of view, but by the 1990s, motorcycles had kind of like reach this point of, uh, or 2000s even, this point of diminishing returns where everything yeah. was covered in plastic. It was basically, it was like a two-wheeled car. Right. And we I mean, were trying to get back to something different. Yeah. And, and honestly, since then, the biggest improvements have just been add-ons kind of trickling down from the car world. There really haven't been any innovations. It's like technology. It's like yeah. an extra two miles per hour, an extra... Yeah you know, five horsepower. Uh, and then you're talking about numbers that like, you know, uh, 230 horsepower, like w- when are you going to actually experience that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we, we were thinking about cafe racers, uh, but then I got sidetracked by these older bikes and uh, we, we developed this Halcyon concept, which was, it's just kind of like, it's a hard tail, first of all, which is just totally weird. It's kind of looks like, it definitely is looking to like early Bruff Superiors, <clears throat> early Triumphs, early Harley Davidsons, Indians. And yeah. uh, it has this kind of unique fuel tank that oh yeah, it, that much of the design for the tank really just comes from the fact that we could make it. <laughs> it was a shape right. that we could make with our really rudimentary manufacturing techniques, which is another part of our story. We have most of the, many of the parts of our bikes we either make ourselves within 20 miles of the shop, or we have an, um, a bunch of Amish craftsmen that make them right. for us. Can so. you see my screen? It's it's almost like you're you're walking through the script I have written out perfectly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is such a great transition. Yeah. Um, and, and I do want to talk about that uh, after. The definition of the word halcyon, if I'm not incorrect, means like a, a thought back to like the, the milk and honey days, right? I mean, is that uh, the, it's, an, it's another mythological, like it's kind of our theme, but um, Halcyon is often today is like the Halcyon days are like the golden days of yore. Right. But really right. the, 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 the mythology is that it's a, a bird. It's kind of like a kingfisher and it, mm. it, it lays its eggs or it raises its young in these like little period of summer in the middle of winter. 
So it's like these golden days that are in the gotcha. a different. It's like in the middle of winter, and that's how the and, that's and how weeps. the uh, association with the word you know, uh, yeah uh, came about. Okay, and it weeps over times past, and so it's kind of like it was, we felt like it was really perfect for that that model. Um, you'll have to see a picture of it or, or look at a Janus to kind of understand that. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I have seen I'd seen a few, and I've seen a few in the wild here in California, um, owned by crazy old guys that had everything but an old bike from the, you know, turn of the century. So they said, Hey, yeah, I got this cool Janus and, and here it is. And you wouldn't believe the motor, how much, you know, uh, how much many crossover parts there are, I guess, with some Hondas and some mm-hmm. other motorcycles that were out there, they said that they could, you know, crossover parts with it. And I'm looking at it and, and I had an interview or I didn't interview the guy. I don't think, but I, I talked to him for about an hour. You know, I talked to everybody else for five minutes. I talked to this guy for an hour. He was so stoked on it. And he was just telling me about it. And I'm looking at it going, yeah, like this. And then that's when I really, um, and I, I'd heard of him before. So yeah, you've been around since 2011. ish. But yeah. when was your, was that when you're, um, you had a web presence then I can't, yeah. I, I can't pinpoint when I first saw Janice, but I know it was, it was a while ago. So it's probably like early 2012. We kind of got started. And it was all home baked. I mean, I made the website. It was like, yeah. you know, kind of an Instagram kind of company. We were just really small. And like I said, we were making these 50cc bikes. One bike would kind of fund the next one. We weren't paying ourselves. Right. And that's why I say we kind of had two starts because at the end of building those 50s, we're like, hey, we need to, if we want to make this real, we yeah. need to have an EPA compliant engine. We need to meet all these regulations. And so we, we, we were like, okay, let's go to the next size up, uh, right. two fifty, and it's four stroke. And so we the to get to what you're exactly what you were asking about the engine, um, we picked because we're a small company, and we don't have dealers. We're like, how do we? What's the best? And and we're interested in the experience of riding. What right. would be the best engine for that function? And so what we decided on, and, and which is just becoming more and more clear to us as we have thousands of them out in the wild, is let's pick a motor that's low, low, like low displacement, 250. And which is, it's like the easiest engine. First of all, it's like indestructible and easy and easy to work on if you're the owner. So you don't even have to take it to a dealership or a repair shop. And so we found this motor called the CG 250, which is a Honda derived engine. It's made by some of the old suppliers for Honda. And it, it's basically like, it is literally bulletproof. Um, I've ridden one of our bikes cross country. I mean, the same bike from the north of the country to the south and, and done a lot of stuff in like iron butt style, like thousand miles in 24 hours. Right. Um, basically you're just running this thing like wide open throttle for <laughs> 24 hours. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like uh, Le Mans. <laughs> right. There you go. And, and I don't know if you and I had talked about it, but this is the bike, uh, that they, Honda, uh, this, well, this motor is, is one that Honda had seen working in these horrible conditions. Right. And I don't know if that was you and I that were talking about that. And they had decided, Hey, we need to make these things in these other countries where this is being sold. You know, the majority of it, they're really don't have the resources to really take care of it. We need to make a bulletproof engine. Exactly. They were, they they were getting out competed in like developing markets, third world countries by, the other big Japanese motorcycle manufacturers who had two-stroke motorcycles. Honda is never really into the two-strokes as much. And so they're like, our, their C, CB125, which is a phenomenal engine, um, it's just, it's a higher strong motor. It's overhead cam. Uh, it requires regular oil changes, uh, valve adjustments, all these things that in these developing countries, they, sent, they actually sent out some engineers 
to like Pakistan and Southeast Asia and India. And they were like researching how these things are maintained. And they were just, these Japanese engineers were just like completely horrified <laughs> yeah, about okay. what they saw. No <laughs> maintenance. They would, the only time they would get worked on is when they like seized. Right, right. They whip <laughs> so out they, the white glove and then they're like, exactly. never mind. And they just put it back in right. the pocket. So they, they went back to Tokyo, you know, and basically like, hey, we need to completely rethink how we do things if we're going to compete in this market. And so they developed the CG line, which is like, it's like the dumb little, you know, sister of the CB. And it's, it, so it's a overhead valve. It's got a, a single push rod that open that operates both. Yeah. Um, well, not a single, a single cam that operates both right. uh, intake and exhaust. So it's just like, there's not much you can do in terms of performance, but there's everything you can do in terms of maintenance and like doing a valve adjustment for like a, like if you've done it once, you can do it in like 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, it's just incredible. So anyway, that we decided on it, this is kind of like our model. Uh, and of course we have dealers, we have, I mean, we have uh, service shops, a network that we can send you to, or we can help you find one, but kind of the focus is on doing it yourself. And we also have like, we we're, we're so, we stand behind the motor so much that we're like, we have a four year warranty on the 250 engine, oh, which I gosh, think is wow. industry. I don't think anyone else does that. Um, and it's, it works out great for us because like we rarely have issues, um, yeah. that require any kind of major, uh, problem. So. So yeah, anyway, right. that's the story of the 250 engine. We got it through EPA. It's carbureted, so that was crazy. Uh, we have a carbureted, yeah. you know, modern, compliant engine uh, that actually is, burns really clean. Um, and uh, You've done what Royal Enfield couldn't even. <laughs> right, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean what, KLR finally realized they couldn't do it. The K- right. Kawasaki KLR can't, finally they realized they couldn't do the carburation anymore. Right. Um, um, yeah. w- when, you, when you decide to make a bespoke motorcycle company out of nowhere... And you're you probably aren't aren't thinking EPA. You know, you're probably there's a, a thousand things that are not on your mind when you decided to start this. How the heck do you decide where to start? And 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 all of the network. I mean, if if you listen to the uh, Why We Ride the Janus podcast, you talk to some of your suppliers and the relationships that you made. How did you even get into that? How did you start networking? How did you start sourcing components? You know, how does how did all that even you know come across your radar? Oh man, like we would just like, we just scoured the internet. I mean, what we, what we do would not be possible. I will, I will say without the amazing resource that the internet is. Um, yeah. we get a lot of our parts from overseas. Um, like it's kind of weird because we, we have this <clears throat> huge Amish community that here in, in Northern Indiana, we're kind of the capital of the RV industry. So that's kind of why this works so well here. Um, and they don't even have the internet. So when we, send them prints we either have to drop them off or fax them to them and most of the like chassis components fuel tanks bodywork everything is handlebars everything is made by them but then on the other the flip side we get our engines from china we get our shock absorbers from australia we get our lighting from taiwan we get our instrumentation from germany uh you know it's like it's this basically the best way to say it is like the specialty components we get from specialists that have in many cases half a century of experience doing what they do really well. And then we focus on the stuff that we do well, which is the design and the chassis component, you know, the suspension design, that kind of stuff. Right. But we, we leave like DOT lighting. We get, we get our lights from the same place Indian does. <laughs> right. Right. And so, right. Walk us through some of these components. I mean, you've got, a, I, I don't want to step on this. I'll let you explain it, but you've got a very 
special suspension and you've got some really cool instrumentation. A lot of people I saw uh, commenting on the instrumentation and how it looked. So um, describe to us some of these components and their special origins, not just the fact that they harken back to an older time, but yeah, your your frames, your suspensions, your fuel tanks, like all of this yeah. crazy stuff. Um, what type of suspension are you running on these things? Uh, so yeah, the 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 suspension. Well, first of all, the ch- the the frame is real traditional, kind of like a feather bed style design. Um, uh, and then the the suspension system that the well, first of all, the, the Halcyon, our first model, doesn't have a rear suspension. Right. So that's kind of weird. That one's on its easy. Own. Uh, <laughs> then the, and that was partly because we were like we're new, you know. It's, but then it worked out really well. Uh, but then the front suspension on the fifties, we use a Italian small displacement telescopic fork, kind of un- universal style, kind of little. Little telly, uh, but then when we launched the 250, I was like, I've always wanted to design. Back even as a kid, I was designing car suspension systems, and I was just interested in doing that. I'm like, I really want to do my own suspension design, and I want to do it something different. Um, and I had come across the the leading link suspension, which yeah, I mean, do yourself a favor and look into that. There's so many interesting qualities that the leading link has. Um, it, it's uh, Today, it's only really used by sidecar bikes, um, mainly because it is so rigid. If you look at a yeah. Ural, a modern Ural, it's going to have a, it's probably the only other manufacturer. Yeah. Um, and I think if you race Speedway, a lot of those bikes still have the, a leading link. They have a very short leading link. Yeah, yeah you're very, right. Yeah, it's tiny. Yeah. Um, uh, so, anyway, yeah, we, we were, I actually thought about you doing like a girder f- suspension, but girder, it, it really is outdated. Um, and what I realized in the process of researching the leading link was that, the telescopic fork is actually the one that's out of date. It, it, it's, it was invented in the 1920s. Yeah. And the leading link is, is kind of an improvement on it in the sense that there's just all these different things about the, the telescopic fork that it's, it bends, it binds, it's, uh, um, it, the, the, your wheelbase and your, uh, change while you're riding it. If you're uh, under right, braking yeah. forces yeah. and the leading link design, if you engineer it correctly, it's very rigid it doesn't. Um, it doesn't need a fork brace or anything like that. It is a fork brace, and it actually, if you design it correctly, it has an anti-dive characteristic. So it's, yeah, it's basically like I, modern car suspension. <laughs> yeah, I tested that too, and I can confirm that there is no dive. You know, I I jammed on there. I told you, hey, I'm going to try that, and I jammed them on, and yeah, there's no dive. And and as a matter of fact, BMW has gone to great lengths to make all these different front ends. Uh, to not dive, but still look like telescopic forks and works sort of like telescopic. They actually forks. engineered the dive back into their new ones. Oh, okay, okay. So that the, the people would kind of be used to it. But their BMW is a classic example. They, yeah, they they were like I think the first. I mean, people will argue with you, but they were like the first major manufacturer to use telescopic forks in the twenties. Then they kind of stole the the leading link design from a guy, an English guy named Earls. And use that on all their bikes from the like fifties through the seventies yeah, into the seventies, yeah, yeah, into the seventies. Like seventies, you could still buy, yeah. With it. And then they, and that's because a lot of them were used with sidecars, I think, too. But then they ditched it for, they went back to telescopic, and then they started using another design they stole from uh, Hasek, Norman Hasek, which is a this really complicated um, 
Well, yeah, the, I think they call it the tele the tele tele lever tele lever design. Yeah, duo lever. Yeah, and it's basically yeah. like a Hasek front end. Yeah, there's all sorts of. I write the manuals for that, and when you look, that's right. When you look at it. There's like a ton of pieces to it, and you're like, how the hell does this work? How does this what? how does this connect to the handlebars? <laughs> Why is there so much to this? Yeah, and so many points of failure. You know. Yeah, it's um, a really neat design, but it's kind of classically German in the sense that it doesn't make as much sense from a manufacturing <laughs> standpoint. It's like yeah. pretty impractical, but they're going to go ahead and do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so your leading links, they look cool. They work great. I could, And I most importantly, they are they make sense with our manufacturing process. They're easy right. for us to make because we can make the fork. And then we can say, hey, let's leave the suspension, the actual shock absorber, to an expert. And right. if you're a customer and you want better suspension, you can go to Olin's and get a fork and put it on your bike. Right. <laughs> it's right, so cool. <laughs> so modifiable. And, and that's something that you and I talked about, but I, I, I don't see a lot on your... I don't see you tooting your own horn on the Janus website, but you and I talked about just how customizable these things are, you know, just like that. The whole bike, yeah. The whole bike. Um, What about some of the in-house crew? Because I I started picking up when you you, uh, told me about that, I started looking at some of the videos that you have on your um, website, and it seems like there's... You have it's almost like working with friends, you know. It seems like, and, and everybody has their own little specialty, and, and and it seems like everybody is just such a uh, integral part of what they do that they're on each and every motorcycle, right? Absolutely, yeah. We got an incredible team. It's kind of like a, a family in, the, in in a lot of ways. It's a much much of that is a product of the fact that our community is amazing. Goshen, this little kind of idyllic Midwestern town, very beautiful, and it's got a nice community. Um, we have. Uh, we don't have like a assembly line. So yeah. when, when the, like, uh, uh, there's a guy building your bike from <laughs> like the frame and then he takes it all the way through to the finished bike. Um, now there's lots of different processes that go into that. So like the 450, for example, which you got to ride, we make that chassis. So we have a separate facility where we do chassis fabrication for the 450 line. Um, so there's a team down there that only make those and they come gotcha. out here after a long process around the county of getting sandblasted all the different processes <laughs> that go into that they come back here and then there's like you know kelly is our uh shop manager and she does all of the pinstriping um or we have another new guy who's training under her but basically she's done like a thousand motorcycles of right I mean, all the so graphics you awesome. see on the bike are so going to be yeah yeah all the all the, the graphics you see are hand pinstriped so if that's the logo on the side of the tank all the pinstriping on it pinstriping on the wheels all done by hand. Um, and that's kind of a good illustration of like the way things are done. Um, we, it's just like, we have a guy who builds wheels. <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. I saw a video a long time ago. I, I don't know if it was on YouTube of the tanks being welded too. And I thought, mm. Oh wow, you guys make your own tanks and, yep. or, or, you know, fab all that stuff. And so it wasn't just like, you know, that's one of the craziest things of a, motorcycle that usually gets punched. I mean, there might be somebody that tack welds it here and there, but, but usually those are punched and stamped and yep. spot welded by machines. Those are a complicated piece, but yours, like you said, it's so, this motorcycle is so uh, simple that everything is just, it's crafted and it looks, yep. you know, it looks the part and it looks cool. And it's done by, by people there in Goshen. Um, speaking of Goshen, how did you, how did you land in Goshen of all places that you could have, started a motorcycle company, Goshen. Uh, Yeah, you'd think like Southern California or something, right? (laughs) (laughs) Man, Uh, man, maybe. (laughs) uh, No, uh, I I, I came out here to go to school. So I went here to go to Notre Dame is about um, 45 minutes west of us. And Notre Dame is in a town called South Bend. And I won't say it's true now, 
Tuffman has really come a long way. But when I first moved there, I was really not. I was like, oh my gosh, where am I? And my mother's from Kentucky and Kentucky and Indiana, both like Indiana people think that Kentucky's hillbillies and Indiana oh, people yeah. think the opposite. Uh, I was always raised in like, Indiana. Oh dear. But I got, I moved to South Bend and I was like, oh, all my, my nightmares have come true. Uh, <laughs> but then I, we started uh, riding vintage mopeds uh, down. There's a bar here in town called the, the Constant Spring, which is just a most poetic name. And it, yeah. it was a fantastic um, a bar with a, and we started, I met my wife uh, here in Goshen and we just started kind of like the community like, like I said about it, like our employees, like the community is incredible and the, yeah. the chamber of commerce is really like active and they support you. Like, um, so we got a lot of support early on and we, it was pretty, pretty clear that we wanted to be here. We didn't choose it because of the resources that are here. It was mostly right. like we liked it and I found myself here. And then afterwards, like five years later, I'm like, man, if we had tried this anywhere else, this would have totally failed. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah. what a co- I'm just, just nuts that that's how it worked out and that it, it was a and fortunate uh, coincidence. Yeah, you know? and I, absolutely. I mean, there's so much of the stories of, of, of fortunate happenstance. So also a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, but, but a, a big part of it is the fact that we are in the middle of this RV industry, kind of like I, I hinted at earlier, the, the recreational vehicle. And 80% of RVs are made in Elkhart County, which yeah. is... Goshen is the county seat, and that means that you you can't go a mile without driving by a machine shop, a fabrication shop, a powder coater, or some kind of um, manufacturing. Uh, and it's all like these. You have some big assembly shops, you know, like Keystone RV or Forest River or whatever the big brands are, but you also have these like little mom and pop shops or Amish shops that are feeding into that system, kind of like the automotive industry, like tier. You know, these are like tier two to the RV industry, which is its little tiny ecosystem. And so if we need a part made, I mean, it's just, we go down the street. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. That is pretty incredible. It's a, it's a huge achievement. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. Uh, that, that community, uh, like you said, it, it's so crazy. It's just awesome that it worked out how it did and that you're that you know, the proximity and the the fact that there's that much community involvement. And, and it does really sound like it supports, uh, especially as the world Absolutely. gets more global and fractured, that it still supports, um, you know, something there locally. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of achievements, you've done, you, you alluded to it earlier at the, uh, you know, almost an hour ago now, the th- crazy things you've done, you've had a lot of achievements um, on Janice and with Janice. I mentioned Jay Leno's garage. Um, I kind of, I kind of threw that one out there. I was, I was hoping to save it for this, but that's a. You've got some pretty big media attention, um, and I know you were out here in SoCal for uh, a press event. Yeah. Um, you also, you also did something crazy. You, you mentioned that you've ridden all around, and and I know that you, you mentioned to me the George Wyman route, and so yes, I yes. want you to expand on that a little bit because this is something absolutely. That you, 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 knocked it out of the park with <laughs> so george wyman i don't know if anybody probably you don't know who he is uh george wyman was a a guy a, a, bi- a famous bicycle racer I, I believe he was a racer in the uh, around the turn of the century mm-hmm. um so 1900 and he got it into his head that he was going to ride this motorcycle i think he got a bet for 50 bucks which was probably a more oh, than it is now, but yeah. like probably not that much more. Uh, and anyway, he so he got a California motorcycle, which was one of the first uh, early American motorcycles. I think it was 225 cc's. 
So very close to what we have. Our bike's actually 229 cc's, not 250. And he, in 1902, I think it was, he rode from San Francisco all the way to New York City in like 51 days. And, yeah. and so just to put this in context, that no one had ever ridden a motorized vehicle of any kind across right. the country. So the first person to cross the U.S. on a motorized vehicle did it on a motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> Not many people know that. <laughs> and there was no roads. There may have been wagon trails at the time, but there, I, yeah, there, there were no, no roads. roads. I believe, I, I think I've, I think I've read his part of his story and he tried to ride on railroad tracks because that a was like of the only thing. And his spleen almost got jiggled out of his, you know, body. And yeah. I think his kidney almost rubbed. He was like, this is horrible. It's like, it's as comfortable as riding on railroad tracks on uh, across the, uh, I don't know if they call those the ties, like the sleepers yeah. or something. Yeah. It's as about as comfortable as you could imagine a washboard for thousands of miles. Yeah. And he had no, he had no, it was a literally, those old bikes were like, were literally bicycles with a motor strapped to him. And so he yeah. was, and so, I mean, he was constantly breaking stuff. Like his handlebars broke, he'd replace oh. it with a piece of wood. Right. You know, like a, piece, a stick or something. And then, you know, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, uh, he was really, like a month after he did it, somebody did it in a car and yeah. stole all the thunder. And nobody yeah. remembers who George Wyman was. But anyway, there's a fella uh, about, I don't know how, how many years he's been doing it. Uh, he's a long distance rider uh, with the Iron Butt Association, which is a really cool group of people that ride insane distances. And he basically has taken George Wyman and made, trying to kind of like uh, expand the understanding of what he did. And he's formed this thing called the George Wyman Memorial Route. And you can uh, follow that route today on your motorcycle. Uh, if you look nice. it up, it's got waypoints along the way. And he's made little signs all the way across the country in all the places that Wyman went through. And actually, George Wyman rode through Goshen, Indiana. And so we are oh, the cool. we are the we are the waypoint here. We have a, a big plaque on the side of the oh, wall for crazy for George Wyman. Um, he awesome. came through on the train a track, I think, because there were I mean on the road and the track. It was some, some of the road wasn't in good enough condition. So yeah. anyway, in 2018, I participated in a, in a in a ride with a bunch of BMWs and Harley Davidsons uh, riding across country and we were doing like we did it in five or six days oh gosh wow and these I mean, bikes just, you know they were zipping along and oh, I would yeah. get in at like I'd leave it like five in the morning and get in at like you know 10 or 11 at night exhausted <laughs> and they're all they've all already in bed already you know right right <laughs> well you know what I mean that that just speaking to your point you know that you made earlier there's Riding and then there's adventure. They were commuting this trail where I feel like you were like, you know, you had George Wyman's, uh, you know, adventurous spirit, you know, going on this. So that's pretty amazing. And you, I, I imagine that George Wyman started this with the body of it. I don't know how old he was. Let's just say he's bicycle racer, tw- 20s. Yeah, he started with the body of a bicycle. He probably showed up there with the body of a 63 year old man with <laughs> kidney failure and like <laughs> half a spleen. You know, he's probably tore him up, you know. Oh, and, I can't uh, imagine. I yeah. can't imagine. I think he walked most of the way. I mean, just pushed the thing. <laughs> yeah, he's just <laughs> screw this. But that is awesome. And the, and the, the fact that you've done it on a, you know, on a 250 that kind of looks the part. I mean, it looks like a, you, you could have one of these in the 1920s. So that's awesome. I just, I love that you, you are walking the walk. You know what I'm saying? You're not mm-hmm. just, you don't just design these bikes. You are, you're doing stuff on them. Um, speaking back to the, uh, the reliability and all the stuff of the motor, was this your first t- uh, torture test of this thing? Were you, were you hoping you made it or did you, were you pretty Oh confident? yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, as a designer, you can't, but can't help, but kind of worry, you know, that something's yeah, oh, going to yeah. go wrong. And I, I, the only issue I had was, uh, I mean, the bike just like, I described it as a sewing machine the entire way. I was just wide up and throttle 
with all, I mean, I was, there was no support. So I had yeah. all my gear, all my tools, all my spare parts, everything Gosh, on the bike. That's awesome. I had like big metal panniers on the back. And so I was pretty loaded down and I'm a big dude. And right. You're six, seven foot three. <laughs> six, six, six. Remember? Oh, okay. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, and so I was doing like 63 miles an hour. Top I bikes do about 70 top speed. I'm like 63 miles an hour on interstate 80 all the way across the country. <laughs> that's awesome. And, and I mean, it was just like completely wound out. I had a throttle lock and I would just lock it open. Right. Um, and then if you get a truck going by, you can get a little faster. But Oh yeah, um, a little draft. That's awesome. Right. But anyway, uh, the only issue I had was I had right before I left, I'm like, oh, we had updated a part for the EPA compliance and this is right around when we got EPA compliance. And so I, I updated the intake manifold with this uh, special gasket that we needed. And I forgot to add longer bolts with the, the, the thicker gasket. Oh, right, right. And so it was like, they were held on by like barely a couple of threads and I didn't even think about it. And so I got like into like Nevada or maybe even further along and the intake basically started leaking and uh-huh. essentially fell off. And I, I thought it was the end of the trip, and then I realized yeah. I just needed oh, longer just, bolts. Just bolts. That's all I need. Yeah, that's a that's a. Oh my gosh, what a save though! That's a that's such know. a for all the things that it could have been. That is an epic. Uh, yeah, that's an epic save. Um, and then I I know some of the other achievements that you have that y- you might not immediately think of, but that struck me is that you. I think you said you have a Janus in every state. That's right. We do. We have a Janus motorcycle in every state now. It's taken us a while, but we have multiple bikes, I think, in most states. We have bikes up in Alaska. We have bikes up, up north of the Arctic Circle. We have bikes uh-huh. in Hawaii. We have bikes yeah. in Florida. Uh, of course, all the other states. I think West Virginia was one of the, oddly, one of the last ones that we didn't have. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not but, a lot uh, of motorcyclists in West Virginia. I don't which is weird because of... it would be a great spot, spot for it. Yeah. Everybody, everybody's <laughs> too busy uh, in the coal mines to, right, right. to ride. Um, and then also other achievements. I mean, you started out with this 250, but you, and, and, and when I knew Janice uh, first, you know, that was the whole draw. I love 250s. I'm a weirdo for 250s. Um, and th- here's a 250 that looks so awesome. But you also had a little, you didn't just have the um, Halcyon. I, I think you had a one called the Griffin, mm-hmm. um, and I think you might still have the Griffin. But now you have a 450 version of it, and, and like right. you said, that's what I got to ride. Um, what uh, you know? What inspired that? And, and what are some of the differences um, between that and the 250 version? Great question. Yeah. So we, you mentioned we were on Jay Leno's garage, and I like to credit Jay for the for really laying out or formalizing what we wanted to do with the next model. But it was something that our owners had also, uh, we regularly, we actually just sent out our owner survey uh, like earlier this week. Um, but we regularly send out an owner survey and ask people what they like, what they don't like, what they want to improve, blah, blah, blah. And one of the things that we had heard was like, hey, if you make another model, we'd like it to be not, you know, 120 miles an hour fast, but fast enough to get on the highway. Yeah. And then we'd also like rear suspension if it's going to go that fast and a little and a little more power. And so we kind of put all that together and we're like, hey, we want to what we want to do is make a bike that is a little more versatile. Because the 250, even though people like me will take it on the interstate all the way across the country or whatever, or I don't care. Um, some people want to, you know, be able to pass cars and stuff like that. And I, I get it. Uh, make it more versatile. And so we 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 set on the kind of a parameter of we want to we want a bike that can go at least 80 miles an hour. Um, the, the 450 does 90. Um, we want a bike that has about twice the horsepower, but not any more than that. <laughs> right. We want it to be as lightweight as we can. We wanted it to be, I think the goal was 350 pounds. 
Um, it's about 360 pounds. So we slightly overshot that and we wanted it to, uh, have rear suspension and basically not change. Everybody's like, we love the way the Halcyon looks. Yeah. Don't change that. And so Absolutely. we went to great lengths to basically preserve the Halcyon concept as a full suspension, 90 mile an hour capable, uh, uh, highway capable, a little bit heavier, a little bit more, like it's got a little more heft to it. Yeah. Version I mean, I of the 250. I don't think you can add double the CCs and rear suspension and not, you know, <laughs> and, and, and stay the same way. You know what I'm saying? Right. But, but it, it, it didn't feel like just like the 250, it didn't feel, you know, you're not talking about a, you know, 600 pound bike, you know, right. It's, Cause it's it very, doesn't require to, to do that. You can't just like throw a bigger engine in the existing frame. Like we went 100, it was like a 120% right. redesign, new frame, right. completely different frame, new suspension. The, the rear suspension has got its own story at some point. Um, I forget that bike up, had, that bike has two pipes on it too. So yeah, it's a, right? it's a, the, the, the trick with that one was then what kind of motor are we going to find that meets all the criteria of the 250? Right. So like serviceable, Long history of production, super reliable. Um, so we ended up finding the, uh, the uh, XR, the Honda XR 400 motor, uh, a, a modern version of that made by SWM, which is an Italian brand. Um, and uh, it, it, it's a radial four valve Honda. So it has two intake and two uh, exhaust ports. So it does, it'll, it'll fool people. Some people will think it's yeah, a twin, but it's I'll actually twin. a big, big old single. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty epic. So yeah, the 450 is uh, it's our it's our answer to being a little bit more uh, versatile, a little more power, um, but still maintaining that our thing, which is lightweight, a lightweight yeah. bike that's like not all about. It's about honing in on the experience of riding, um, and really it, what we try to do is also like create a real differentiation between the 250 and the 450. So the 250, honestly, we we we're better able to talk about the 250 now because it answers a, a distinct need as opposed to the, the 450s fuel injected also. So it's like you have like a little bit more technology on it. Um, you have a lot more double the instrumentation, uh, which is still pretty minimal. Uh, the 250 only has a little speedo. That's it. There's no, you can, you feel everything. You don't need to worry about what your RPM is. Uh, the 450 has a tachometer and speedometer and more, you know, it has like a fuel level sensor, things like more modern things. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a, it's a, it creates a nice segment that's like, Hey, I want this or I want this. And a lot of people still want that dirt, simple, uh, minimalist 250 that does like 90% of what most people do on a motorcycle anyway, which is curvy roads at yeah 45 to 60 miles an hour. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know that the, the 250, oh, something else I, I didn't bring up is when we were riding up in the hills, I think you had your GoPro on. A, we're in stop and go traffic. And then B, once we did get up in the twisties, we got stuck behind a, a sewer, you know, and plumbing <laughs> truck. And I was like, if he's got his GoPro, this is going to make great audio. Just somebody sitting dead center behind a sewer truck. Once all the traffic got out and, you know, you guys were, we were at the top looking over the, the valley. Um, I, you, you let me rip both of them, and I gotta say, the 250 with the rigid frame actually feels like you can chuck it into corners a little. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, with with no fear, you know what I'm saying? Especially with that leading link front end, that thing is just a little road hugger. And the 450 kind of sinks into the corners a little more with that with the rear suspension. Yep. But the two, I mean, they're both so much fun. And that was the perfect road to take them on, even though we didn't get to ride the expanse of it because of the the closures. Just a little bit, we did get to ride on was so 
fun because that's the perfect road for that. And it was a perfect environment and you don't have to be going hundred miles an hour to have fun. Right. right. You just, right. You the, just the, the reason I ride. And I think the reason, I mean, I don't, I won't speak for everyone. Like there's many reasons we, we ride. Um, but yeah. the reason that I ride and a lot of our owners ride and a lot of other people ride is they want to experience the sort of augmented reality. And when I say that, I mean a very different thing than a virtual reality, right. the right. augmented reality of of the real world and yeah. what a what a motorcycle can do is it's a machine that uh, that can help you augment reality because what what is there that's more moving and more powerful than propelling yourself through the world uh and and, and to be able to do that with like this motor that makes you go faster than you can run right can, and, and being able to control that motor and like to me the most fun thing is like downshifting into a corner i yeah. love that yeah oh, and yeah. you know like just ringing a bike out and you can't do that on a, on a, you know, a Ducati on a little road. Like no. you're, you're in second gear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the funny thing is, is, is that, that 250, I took, I took it down the hill. And so I was going uphill and there was a car coming and I let him get way ahead of me. And I thought he was so far. I was like, Oh, I'm going to blow by Richard oh, leaning yeah. this thing in the corner. You know, you had your camera out, take a picture. And I was like, I'm going to be leaning over through this corner just so you can get a good shot. And you're on his bumper. <laughs> Well, and I caught up to him, but and I was thinking, oh, the t- is this, a, this is the two fifty. He'll, you know, he'll get up through the turns, and I start going when he was halfway up the hill, and I caught him before he even got to the top. Of the- and I'm going, oh my gosh, th- th- it's just so much fun, and, and just full speed through there without breaking. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it was so amazing. The speaking of augmenting reality and virtual virtual reality and getting out of it, if I could have a helmet that could project. 1920s LA in a heads up while I'm riding a Janus and just get rid, you know, you'll still see the traffic and you'll still see the streets and everything as they are today, but it would remove the skyscrapers. It would put back all the, the weird, you know, little ranches and farms and just the old, just to cruise that thing through LA, you can feel the old, you know, it it brings you back to a time when, yeah, riding through here would have been a, mm-hmm. a whole different experience on this and 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 just being on that bike rather than a sport bike and having especially going up with all that traffic having to lug first gear up that hill on a sport bike you know was, would have really stunk um and on the janice it was just fun just weaving back and forth you know yeah. just having a blast so uh, to me it's like it, it, the, the augmented reality of it is that it, it lets you get into the fun part of motorcycling yeah on your ride to the post office, like yeah, you can, there you go. You, you don't need to be out in the middle of like Moab or where, whatever, you know, <laughs> right. Big Sur or something to get that experience. It's like right. it's right out your front door, and that's like that's what we're trying to. That's what yeah. we, like you can get a lot of bike for that. Yep, that's what we're trying to give you. Is the is, is the a lot of experience of motorcycling for that? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and this you you can't get a lot of a bike like this for that for sure. Um, yeah, and, and and wrapping up. Um, I hope you make a Griffin 450, by the way. We haven't even talked about the Griffin, but it's your like dual sport model. And if that comes yeah. out, come back on the show. Let's talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. But wrapping up here, the the you you t- told me in one of your emails that you know Honda always said you meet the nicest people on a Honda, and you all say you meet the weirdest people on a Janus. <laughs> I'm sure for you that was you know coming out here. Who is this weirdo that's on my on my motorcycle now? It was it was a, it was a blast, and and it was so much fun. And I mean, this is I, I feel like we're just getting into the the tip of the iceberg on you and the company and, and where you're going. Um, well, uh, yeah, but I think that's a good, good introduction. Um, the weird it's a people, good tip, like, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a good tip. Yeah. The, uh, 
the p it's a it's a niche it's a it's we call it our corner uh, our corner of the playground right. and it's not going to appeal to everyone and what that means is the people that it does appeal to are some very interesting people <laughs> and uh it's a fun place to be our corner of the playground is just like it's all about uh yeah meeting new people getting out there um and, and just experiencing something that's it's almost like a uh statement of de- it's more of a statement of defiance let's just say i can say this with yeah with complete uh confidence than it is to ride a harley davidson and be a kind of outlaw it's uh right. it's much more uh defiant to ride a, a 250 or a 450 that's oh yeah made by hand and that does this weird stuff and looks like it does so Absolutely. yeah we have a lot of fun doing it and and the the best part is that uh, you don't have to buy a Ferrari or or a crazy Ducati, you know, Panigale Race Edition to to be in this club. You you buy a two fifty that is you know twice as fun to ride around town, and you don't mm-hmm. have to take it to a track in order to enjoy. Yes, it, you know our two fifties do cost more than a KLR, uh, uh, quite a bit more, but they're not. It's not in the realm of a Ducati or or any even like a um, more expensive um, Harley Davidson. Um, yeah, they're, they're oh, yeah. their own thing and. Uh, uh, yeah, buy, we welcome you to learn about them. Buy a bagger or three Janices. Uh, <laughs> right. or, or Jani, whatever the... Uh, I like Jani. Yeah, yeah, two eyes. Nice. <laughs> Zappers, Zappers, we got them. Whappers, Whappers, we got them. We got everything you need for your off-road adventure this summer at Nathan's Power Sports Village in Durston. Brakes, Brakes, we got those. Tires, we got those. Looking for a high quality leather that doesn't cost an arm and a leg? Well, not yours anyway. Try Criders, made in the USA from 100% renewable resources. We don't use fancy hide like kangaroo or elk. Nor do we use other imported hides like Jaguar or Okapi. Those animals are scarce and protected. We extrapolate our hides from a unique source of marsupial. Not a wallaby though, if that's what you were thinking. Crider's leathers are made from the United States' most renewable resource, the common opossum. The common opossum is so common, in fact, that thousands of hides go to waste each year on American roadways. We don't believe in letting these valuable garment farms end up in the city dump especially with a looming leather shortage on the horizon. Criders is dedicated to rider safety, and a low overhead is our number one priority. Visit Criders today, and we'll fit you up in new skin. Possum skin! Criders, the cheapest leather you'll wear. Visit Criders now. We're located down by the stream behind the old recycling factory. Criders Leathers. Hey, thanks for thanks for coming on. Thank you for uh, you know spending some time wasting wasting uh, a perfectly good hour of your day. And um, if anybody wants to get a hold of you or find more about uh, Janice the brand, obviously if they're listening to your podcast, they know where they know where they're at, hundred yeah. percent. But if if they do want to find out more about the brand um, and check out some of your uh, you know the video offerings and things that you have, um, where can they find you? Yeah, our, uh, you can find us at JanusMotorcycles.com, so J-A-N-U-S Motorcycles.com, um, and that's like our main website. And you can also, of course, find us on 
our YouTube, which is where we do most of that's we call YouTube is our dealership. Um, so <laughs> look up Janus Motorcycles on, on YouTube and we have not only videos that like tell you about the product, but that's also where all of our, a lot of our maintenance information is. So we can, we have a lot of videos about how to do your valves or whatever for your bike. So you can explore a lot about the bikes that way. Um, and then of course we're on all the other social media stuff. So yeah. Nice. And then for, for our listeners, um, creative riding is, a podcast that um, we'll have links to where it is, but um, they have a lot of folks on um, and, and they focus on kind of the, the stories that aren't told um, in the, in the mainstream. So it's a really fun place to check out interesting things related to motorcycles and I highly recommend it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much and thank you for your time and uh, yeah, just picking up on, on the opportunity, uh, presenting the opportunity to ride one of your fabulous motorcycles while you're out here. Thanks for and, giving us a tour and, and taking us oh, on a ride. <laughs> listen, ne- yeah. Next time we won't get lost. We'll come over to my side, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I had a blast. Well, I hope you, I hope you, um, you know, we'll stay in contact and I hope you have a great rest of the quote winter. I hope it turns spring real soon and everyone's out there riding on a Janus soon. Oh, Junkie, getting lost is a success in the Janus rambling world. But uh, absolutely. Uh, Likewise, had a great time. Thank you so much, Junkie, and we'll catch you next time. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. You are the man. Get out there. Get on a Janus. Getting lost is part of the Janus rambling lexicon. Lexicon is a word. I don't know what it means. However, I uh, implore you. Yeah, they have discovery days there at their Goshen uh, headquarters and he from what he described Goshen reminds me a lot of the town that I live in uh, over here in the suburbs of LA and yeah please uh, get in touch and thank you Richard so much for coming on and uh, you know I enjoyed every minute getting lost around here in the city also if you enjoy getting lost in California or wherever send us your stories creative writing podcast at gmail.com and remember Willow Springs uh, Grand Prix coming up April 15th and 16th. Look for our name there on the sponsorships. I'm so excited we're sponsoring our first race. And get out there and ride, man. Get out there and ramble. Get out there and do the George Wyman memorial trip. Get out there and do some of these other things that people have been sending in. I'm going to be talking about it on the next episode, but we have a, a Roads to Rails or something like that. Bri Viffer sent in. We're going to be talking about all that crap. In the meantime, peace, grease. Squeeze the geese. Twice. That's how you say twice in France. Bye.